You are listening to the Not Another Sports Podcast. Here are your hosts, David and Jason. Welcome to the Not Another Sports Podcast, Episode 3, the sports talk for everyone. I'm David. I'm Jason. Welcome aboard. We just want to take another moment here to thank everybody for listening to us, supporting us, and uh, just us having some fun with this and just another big uh, an, another big uh, number of listeners for episode two. Yeah, uh, man, I, I know we kind of touched on this last time. I got to say again, I'm just blown away by the amount of support we're getting, not just from people listening to the podcast, but the people who are supporting us through social media, be it Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, and now on YouTube. I mean, I'm really happy. I'm totally surprised. Thank you, everyone, for even just even taking the time to click like on our Facebook page. That's that's awesome right now. Absolutely, absolutely. Something that we never thought would even, you know, get that high. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it's not just our friends and family listening to this. It's a lot of other people from other different states and especially all the comments we've been getting on how we're making sports talk for the everyday person, not just for all the all the technical people. Yeah, I got a nice comment uh, from someone I know, and they stated that uh, they never they learned so much about the enforcer role in hockey just listening to our podcast and i thought that was awesome oh that's that's what we're trying to do oh yeah just something to have fun with and also to oh if we can educate somebody on a sport or of something there you go mission accomplished so once again thank you everybody for your support and here we are first period big 10 will begin college football season well, I expected that to come sooner, but hey, Big Ten's one of the biggest conferences. One of the, well, I should say the tough, one of the tougher conferences. Um, yeah, w- I mean, first off, we're knee deep in Penn State country, so the Big Ten is very meaningful in this area of of the world. Um, I I never disagreed with why they they opted not to have a season they wanted to wait until spring and see how things played out with covid i totally got it they were trying to they were trying to do what they thought was the right thing by the players and i get that so i was never one of these people who were like why aren't they playing it was like okay yeah it makes sense um at the same time though there's a lot of football fans who who wanted to see the big 10 teams play be it because it's their alma mater where they went to school or they're just a diehard fan of be it Penn State, Michigan, Rutgers, Ohio State, so on. Um, Yeah, I'm not surprised that they are eventually going to be playing. I think the date is October 24th. They were going to play no matter what, whether it was in October, it was going to be in the spring, there were still going to be games. Uh, Now they're just playing them a couple weeks later. Oh yeah, I mean, like you know, you hit it on the head. Penn, you know, Big Ten football. We're in Penn State country, and college football is one of the biggest, biggest sports that 
really hits like on, on a Saturday, you go to a bar or something, or you get a bunch of people together, you have a college football game on. I mean, I know a lot of times you have the best college football games over, over the pros, because these are kids who want to make it to the pros and they'll do whatever they need to do. You always see spectacular plays. It's always fun to watch. And in some regard, these kids are also just playing for the love of the game. I mean, some of these kids, they're not all, you know, um, tuition babies. They're not all riding a scholarship. Some of them are just kids who happen to be good at the sport and they tried out and they made the team. Um, so, yeah, it's, I mean, it's good. These kids are getting, getting that opportunity to play in the fall. Uh, I did see that they're going to have just like crazy daily testing, I believe. Um, so the schools are going to be on top of it. Hopefully everything goes well. Well, they need to be on top of it. I mean, well, like you said, some of these kids are not even, you know, uh, projected to go to the pros They They just want to just play for the game, you know, play for the love. And, and I know that this year, I know with all those, all those seniors, if they didn't play, I mean, think how you would be for a senior who won't get to play that final year. Even if it's, even if you don't go in pro, even if it, you know, not, not even that, just playing your senior year, knowing this is the last of your college football years and you go off to whatever career uh, choice that you picked, I'd be devastated. Well, and then there's still players who are opting out because they still have the opt out as part of the, the coming back. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think we're going to have to wait and see how it goes. Uh, man, I know that they're doing eight games in eight weeks for football wise. That's going to be a crazy schedule. No, no buys, no breaks, just all in eight weeks and done. Uh, that's going to be tough physically. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I know with big 10 coming in, I know there's only what one conference right now that's not, uh, participating in anything. That's the pac 12. And that's the as of, as of today, September 18th, that's the last we've heard of only one team not participating thus far. Now, whether or not that changes tomorrow, next week, good good question. And, and that is a rumor. The rumor is the Pac-12 is possibly moving closer towards playing, following in the footsteps of the Big Ten. Uh, I have a feeling it might just because of – you know, hey, everybody else is doing it. Why not us? Right. I, again, I still understand if they don't. I mean, 2020 oh, yeah. is has just been a ridiculous year. I mean, Stanley Cup playoffs and, and NBA finals are taking place in September. These leagues are typically getting ready to start playing preseason by now. So uh, very interesting, interesting year in sports. Um, Another thing to, to think about with the Big Ten is there's not going to be fans allowed in the stadiums as of as of now, as of this recording. No fans are going to be allowed in the stadiums, but they're going to possibly let family members in the stadiums. So yeah, we'll I think, see how that plays out. I think they should at least let family members in. Uh, like, have the players give the list to the coaches, and the coaches submit them, and those people are the only ones allowed in. Okay, I can see that because. I can only imagine if you're a player, you get hurt and your family's not there to, you know, oh my goodness, what's going on. They'll be worried as anything. And 
at least if you have family there, but you know, at least you have family, even for your seniors who who are are playing, at least the parents are going to be able to see their child play. If they opted out, that's on their choice. But for the ones who are still playing, at least that they have, you know, the chance for their family to watch them play. Looking at it from a visual standpoint, maybe even like a TV standpoint, I wonder. Would it be better off overall visually, not even looking at the, the the human factor of it, of the families being there or fans being there, but like Beaver Stadium can hold over 100,000 people. How is that going to look with like mom and dad in the upper left hand corner and no one else here compared to just having it empty? You well, know what at, I mean? Look at how baseball is doing it right now. I mean – they're just having cardboard cutouts. Look at hockey. There's no fans there. So it's going to be the same where you have just maybe a select few people there. Uh, well, I guess what I'm getting at is these stadiums are, are huge. Even compared to some NFL stadiums, they're huge. Look at the big house. It's going to be, it is going to be an odd visual with a handful of people scattered throughout the stadium, than just an empty stadium. I think if they do a cardboard feature, like they have cardboard cutout fans, that'd actually be pretty cool. Uh, the Phillies, by and far, have, I think, some of the most cardboard fans in MLB. <laughs> it looks almost like the stadium's full on a given night. Uh, I'm Again, I'm just looking at it from a visual standpoint. You have a stadium that typically holds 100,000 people, and you have a few people scattered about. That's, I don't know, it just doesn't, in my mind, it doesn't, doesn't look good. No, it doesn't. I mean, hell, I'm still waiting for Penn State to host a Winter Classic there. So <laughs> that would be a fun one to watch, especially you know, if they could get Philly and Pittsburgh in it. That would be a really awesome stadium to have that in. Well, especially when you have Pennsylvania rivalry right there. Is there a reason why that never happened? We're deviating here from the topic, but is there a reason why that's never happened? Is it? Something with the that, school or I heard something with the field. Like they didn't want it messed up or something, or they had to do too much work to it. Who knows what it is? It could be a number of things. Well, if it's taking place and the winter classic typically takes place after the football season, so there shouldn't be an issue as far as the field. They'd have plenty of time to get the field ready for the next season. Uh there's gotta be more than just the field. Yeah, there has to be more. I mean, could it be parking? Because I know a lot of times when I'd go up there during the season, they always are parking in farm fields. It could be park. It could be traffic. Uh, yeah, Penn State traffic is is harsh. Going to and going from. <laughs> Absolutely. Especially when you're what two hours from Pitts or yeah Pittsburgh two hours from Penn State and you still feel the effects of the traffic. Any given Friday night in the fall. Yeah, any, ever, any home game and you're you're sitting in traffic for what an hour almost. I, I guess for those who aren't familiar with where we're from, uh, we both take a road. We take three twenty two uh, westbound to go home from where we work. Um, and 322 westbound is pretty much the main road to go to Penn State. <laughs> so 
you're in standstill traffic for a while to get to your exit because of Penn State traffic on a Friday afternoon. Yeah, normally we try to find an alternate way home just because of that. And even those yeah. are pretty awful. Yeah, because those get pretty backed up too just because of the Penn State traffic. It's ridiculous. Um, but now with Penn State football, or I should say just Big Ten football, uh, it's just going to be interesting, like you said, visually. And also, though, with – that's a big moneymaker. Yeah, and, it is, especially for the schools. Absolutely. And not to have – and not to have that extra revenue coming in, that's going to hurt. Uh, I assume that they're getting some kind of kick from the TV deals. I mean, you have to assume they're getting some kind of kickback from the TV deals, just like MLB does. Um, yeah, but I don't see that. I don't see that covering the whole loss or even maybe half of it. No, I don't either. Um, but it's something. Just like right now, MLB's not making anything from tickets. You know, I mean, at least MLB is making some of their money on merchandise because, you know, people are still buying jerseys and all that. Really with, really, with college football, what do you really buy other than T-shirts and hats? Jerseys. Some. I mean, I don't see like that being like you don't get uh, – somebody's name on the back unless they're a hall of famer from the nfl well i mean you got to think penn state don't have names on the back so how many people walk around with like a a penn state number three or number one jersey just because it's penn state um so yeah it's it's just i I mean it's just they're gonna lose a lot of money out of this whole thing with everything going on because like you said earlier 2020 has just been a whirlwind of chaos with sports you know Hockey should be going into preseason right about now. No preseason for football. NBA should be gearing up for for preseason and regular games. Yep. College football should, you know, we really shouldn't even be talking about even the Pac-12 not making, you know, not wanting to play right now. Right. If it was 2019, we'd be having a totally different conversation right now. Absolutely. You know, we picked 2020 to launch this podcast. So look at us. Right, we're overachievers. Um, I, I think going back to the the stadiums thing, man. I think it'd be cool if if Penn State, if Michigan, if Ohio State, and whoever whomever had cardboard fans in there. Could you imagine? Like, you can't tell me the students of, of these of these schools wouldn't have those student sections filled with cardboard cutouts of themselves. You know, they'd be shirtless. Oh yeah. With the with the team names written right, you know Michigan, Penn State, right across, you know a line of them. The guy who shows up to the Penn State games with the paternal mask would be tremendous in a cardboard cutout at the stadium. <laughs> that would be, or or just have like a section of just that. <laughs> have a section of just a paternal mask. That's it. <laughs> that would be interesting to see. I think there's possible. I mean, I haven't seen any. Obviously, we haven't seen anything because it was just announced this week that they're going to be playing. But I think that'd be really cool if any of the the schools do that. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure they're going through like what can we do to make it look a little more you know appetizing for you know the stance of not just look at an empty stadium like like basically what baseball is doing have something there. Yeah. But at least if you know if college football, of course you're going to have to have something to 
really show like the passion for the fan, you know, that the fans have for their team. Yeah. You're, you're going to have to have that. I still think by far and away, the NBA's done it the best. Not that I don't like the cardboard cutouts in baseball, but I love the virtual fans in the NBA. Again, I, I think it looks just, it, it almost comes across like NBA jam. And I think that's such a cool visual for their games. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, that's definitely something different for, for them to do, which kind of, like you said, just makes it more, you know, interesting. Well, you're seeing people cheer. You're seeing people, you know, wave their rally towels and wearing their jerseys, wearing their shirts. And there's movement where you don't have that right now with MLB. You just have a cardboard cutout, which is great because, again, a lot of these teams are doing it for charity purposes. It's raising money for something. Oh, yeah. I mean, what isn't uh... – but um, was it half the, over half the proceeds per card were cut out for the Phillies or going towards charity? I think something like that. I know for sure it's going to charity. I don't know what the split is. Yeah, I, I just know that's, you know, that's what I've been hearing, that a lot of these cardboard cutout, cutouts have been going to charities for what they cost, which is great. I mean, at, at least if they're, they're doing something to help people out with everything that's been going on. Right. And if these college teams do that, you know, if the college teams decide to, hey, let's do the same thing, that's going to show good for the school. Right. And it, and it would bring in revenue for the school. It would help the school out. I think it's a great idea. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely something that sh- that if they do it this way, should help. I mean, they've probably been in discussion with this for who knows how long with everything. Right. So on that note, that's the end of period two. I'm sorry. Period one. <laughs> On the period two, minor league baseball. Teams that possibly might be going out of uh, the leagues. Yeah, I got to start off with this. This just, it's sad. It's sad. Um, not just for a variety of reasons, it's sad. Uh, one, in my experience, and I think and you would agree with me on this, as much as the, the big league teams, be it baseball, hockey, what have you, the fans are diehard. It's even more so on the minor league level. Oh, so yeah. so you're, it's not just the, the players who are losing out, and it's not the ownership of these, of these teams losing out. It is the communities losing out. Um, there's 42 teams that are possibly going to be out of minor league baseball next season. I mean, we're, we're talking double A, we're talking single A, we're talking short season, talking rookie. It, it, it is, it's, it's sad. Oh, absolutely. It's, it is sad. I mean, like you said, you're all the diehard fans are, 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 are losing out. So of course, the teams that want to play and try to make it to the pros. I mean, hell, what well, we traveled what almost two hours to go to uh, what was it a half season game? It was a short in, season game for Hagerstown. Yeah, down to Hagerstown Suns. I mean, down don't get me wrong, we got a bobblehead out of it, but still, we wanted to go to the game. So just looking at looking at the list and picking out one random team. So let's look at the, at the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, because that's what they're called now. 
So the history, I'm trying to pull up some information right now as I talk. Binghamton has had a team in minor league baseball since the 90s. And maybe even longer than that. So you're talking about a team that has over 20 years, almost 30 years of history in that town. Firmly as the Binghamton Mets now, the Rumble Ponies, that town is now no longer going to have minor league baseball. Oh, yeah. Well, look at, well, look at Williamsport. Look at the, the Williamsport crosscutters. They, they redid that whole field a few years ago just for the, uh, the Little League World Series. So they could have the, the, the pros play in it so the, so the kids can watch pro games. Now they're not going to have anything. Yeah. And, and that's – I'm trying to pull up the information on that ballpark right now. That ballpark has just a ton of history too, not just uh, with the current team. But, I mean, they that's the, the – the, the stadium we're talking about right now is in um, – it's in Williamsport. It, uh, what's the name of it? I'm trying to think of it off the top of my head. It is uh, Bowman Field, historic Bowman Field. And it's been around since the 1900s. It was built in 1926. So and it has deep history in minor league baseball. And it has some quirky history in minor league baseball too. If you ever uh, go on Google, search the Great Potato Caper of 87 in Williamsport, uh, a guy – a guy whittled a potato into the shape of a baseball and used it to get a guy out. It was a trick play. Uh, they were the Williamstown or Williamsport bills. Then uh, this stadium has history in, in, in minor league baseball. Everyone knows Williamsport nationally for little league baseball, but Williamsport has deep minor league baseball history. Um, so it's, it's sad that this, this town is losing out on this team. Just looking at, at the the amount of teams that were there, you have the Crosscutters, the Williamsport Cubs, the Williamsport Tomahawks, the Grays, the A's, and the aforementioned Bills. All those teams played in that stadium from 1926 oh, yeah. until now. You know, and now it's on the the verge of possibly going out. You know, and and you have all these stadiums. Well, let's say the Altoona Curve, their you know their stadium has an amusement park in it, basically. You know, and that right there for fun for the kids, now gone too. You know, uh, sports stadiums that have that type of stuff just to get people in are going to be gone soon. For the record, the curve are not on the list. Aren't they on the list? No. No. I thought thought they were. For for Pennsylvania, it's Erie, uh, which are double A. Uh, and then short season state college and Williamsport. Mm. I was looking at something else on that. Thanks for the correction. Man, there's another team, Double A, Chattanooga Lookouts. They're a storied franchise. I mean, there are teams that have deep history in minor league baseball that aren't going to be in minor league baseball anymore. And I, I understand they want to consolidate, they want to save money, but. I, there might be better ways to do it than just wiping out teams. Now, with that said, I wonder if any of these teams will move to independent ball. Possible. I mean, on a local level here in Pennsylvania, we've seen how well independent ball can be received in the town. Uh, specifically to where we are in Pennsylvania, uh, we have 
the Orc Revolution and the Lancaster Bornstormers within driving distance to us. Um, and York and Lancaster used to have minor league baseball uh, in the 50s. Um, back then, they were the York White Roses and the Lancaster Red Roses, and they had a very storied rivalry in minor league baseball. Uh, once those independent teams came to an existence under the Atlantic League, those teams are doing great attendance-wise. They're doing great as far as on play, uh, on field play, and they're having success winning championships in their in their league, and the fans love it. So I mean, these teams can survive in the world of independent baseball. I mean, the St. Paul Pauls would be, or the St. Paul Saints, I should say, the St. Paul Saints are another example of an independent team doing gangbusters at the box office because they're in a city that loves baseball. Well, that's the thing. You got to get, you got to have a team that where the city loves their team. Cause if you just have one, you just have a baseball team in a, in a city that's just like, eh, why are we here? It's yeah. not going to do well, even in, even independently. I mean, you got to have a team in a city that the city can fall, be, you know, it can fall for, you know, just love the most. Yeah. What I think, um, then just real quick plug, IndieBallIsland.com, great resource for independent baseball news and, and information. Um, just looking at independent baseball in the past and independent baseball now, there are two different worlds. Going back to independent baseball in the early 2000s, late 90s, a lot of these teams were just filling in random already existing stadiums hoping to catch on. That didn't re really work. I mean, there were teams that were folding within the same season because they just could not get a footing in that area. Now these owners of these independent teams and independent leagues are putting the money in, getting getting the fans involved, building new stadiums, and, and it's paying off. Now not every independent league can do that. I mean, the I would say the Atlantic League is probably the the top tier of independent baseball and it shows based on the presentation they put on field online in town. I mean, they, they do it right. And then you get to the bottom of the barrel and some of these guys are paying to play like in the Pecos league and the empire league. They're just, I don't know. You don't want to get me started on the idea of pay to play professional sports. If you're yeah, paying a, to play, you're it needs to be good for you. League. <laughs> Good, you good know, for yeah. you if you're doing that. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, uh, another team on the list is the State College Spikes. You know, so, I mean, you know, another team close to home for us. Yeah. You know, so, and, the, and Penn State's really, you know, I think State College is one of the the, 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 the cities, the towns, whatever you want to call it, that loves their sports. I mean, you got the Nittany Lions, yeah, and then they wow, I can't talk. The Nittany Lions, for even football, basketball, hockey, you have the spikes. So I think Penn, you know, State College should be able to, to keep their team to keep it going. But like you said, these, these other teams, they just have to have that financial backing to really get that push. Yeah. And if they don't have it, then unfortunately, I mean, especially right now with you no know, fans being able to go to the games, what's you know they're they're not playing at all. 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of these guys right now that would be in the minors, are they're playing on the taxi squad. So, I mean, for the Phils, you have guys playing in Lehigh Valley. Just every day they're playing against each other, just waiting to get that call to come play for the big league squad. Oh, um, yeah, constant scrimmages. I think I heard in regards to the, to the MILB contraction that a lot of these guys will be playing rookie ball or short season. They're going to be stationed at the spring training facilities, just constantly playing scrimmages against each other, just waiting to get called to double A. Yeah, just to stay loose. I, man, I don't. I'm not happy about it. I'm not. I, I love baseball. I love minor league baseball. I love seeing the the fierce loyalty of of people with their in, with their minor league teams. So th- this whole thing just it sucks. I'm gonna be honest, it sucks. <laughs> I think it does a little more than that. But no, you're right. I mean, a lot of these minor league teams fill the fill the stadiums every game, despite whether it's short season or not. And that's just you know, not just saying, oh, well, we have a team. Let's go to them. No, it's we have a team. We love our team. Let's go support them. And not just, oh, we love the team. Let's just go for something to do. No, they're going to support their team. And like we said earlier, that's not happening right now with anything. Well, looking at looking at the list again, I see the Staten Island Yankees. Now, that's a team that does really great numbers in ticket sales. I mean, the fan base is there. The fan base supports that team. That team's no longer going to exist. In minor league baseball. Yeah, and New York's one of the biggest sport places of them all. We went to Hagerstown last year. They're on the list. This is... And Hagerstown, that, you know, that stadium was... I'm not saying it was jam-jam-packed, but they had some good amount of fans there. Yeah. um, It's definitely... I mean, the stadium shows its age, and that, that might just be a result of being a lower level of baseball in the the whole minor league system but i mean the fans were there the fans were were into the game it was a good experience and oh oh that was fun i mean i'd go again in a heartbeat you know i'd definitely go again in a heartbeat on that Uh, hopefully i mean maybe there'll be new independent leagues that start up for baseball I'd love to see some of these teams go into the Atlantic League or the American Association Association, or even the Frontier League. Those are the three really good ones. Um, I think a lot of these teams are just not going to exist, though, because the, the, the money's just not there. Yeah, I see that happening, unfortunately. I mean, just looking at some of the ones that are close to home, even let's say two hours away are not going to be there for us to go to enjoy and, and well, anybody else who lives in those towns, you know, between Williamsport, Hagerstown, it's just not going to happen. I mean, I'm. And you touched on it and, and just thinking about it right now, it is really surprising that Williamsport's on that list because of how Williamsport's being used by major league baseball in association with the little league world series. You would think they would try to save that just because of that nature. I mean, exactly. they bus, I mean, they bus MLB teams in from anywhere just to play there, just for the kids and for the kids to enjoy that. So, what happens when they're gone? When there's no, when they close down the stadium, what are they going to do? Are they going to continue to bus people in? How are they going to maintain the stadium? How are they going to maintain all this when it's not being used on a normal basis by, you know, the team? 
I'm willing to bet MLB will still continue that game because it is, it's a big, I mean, let's call it what it is. It's a PR thing. Oh, it's absolutely. a public, it is a public relations dream. Having those kids who are in the little league world series in their uniform, sitting in the stands on ESPN on Saturday night baseball, watching the big league teams play in that little stadium. Oh yeah. And these kids are from around the world, not just close to Williamsport, but right. from around the world. And to have that experience, I mean, yeah, they would have to do something. I mean, I think it's going to continue, they? but it's it's a hope. But it, what would really make it what would really make it better though if they would keep the, you know if we you know if the crosscutters wouldn't leave if they would not close up, right? And but like you like you hit, you know MLB will try you know will probably maintain that. But the question is though, there was no Lily World Series this year. Right, and I think, by now it would have happened. Yeah, and I think this year's game was it was going to be the Orioles. It wasn't going to be a PA team host as the home team. I think it was going to be the O's this year. So we oh, all Lord. dodged a bullet on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, O's fans, your ownership sucks. <laughs> Let's but, give yeah. Crash Davis a huge contract while he's tanking physically. Well, isn't that the way to Smart. do it? Well, isn't that the way to do it? You, you know, you're having a horrible season. Let's give you the biggest contract. I just the O's are a great franchise in the history of baseball, and their current ownership is just god awful. Sorry. Well, well like we touched last uh, on last episode with, with JT, is it the same way? Are they just going to let him hit the free market and see what happens? Or yeah, but. The Phils are actively trying to win games. That's true. <laughs> they're 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 making moves to actively try and win games and and trying to bring up decent players from their farm system. Albeit their farm system isn't great. It's not like it was pre two thousand eight. But they're they're making an effort. It's like the O's ownership just doesn't care. It's like I own a baseball team just to own a baseball team. Just do it because I have the money. I'm sorry, oh, O's fans. I'm not even an O's fan, and I feel bad for you guys. Well, on the upside, they are ahead of the Red Sox in the standings. Oh man, <laughs> the Red Sox are running like a, a running a thing where it's like kids eat free every time the Red Sox win. Oh, those poor kids. Yeah, right. No one's eating free. <laughs> oh man, that's harsh. I it, it's it's a meme floating around on different websites, but the Red Sox, everyone, oh Sox fans, all those Fairweather Sox fans, because they won a World Series in in '04 and '08. Where are they at now? Nowhere. Don't get me started. <laughs> really? Don't get you started? I don't think we had to. <laughs> I. I'm sorry. I know that there are there are real Red Sox fans out there, but I'm willing to bet 90% of Sox fans outside of Boston were not fans before 2004. Probably. I, I stand by that firmly. Well, look at the, a lot of the Capitals fans before Ovechkin came along. What Capitals fans? Exactly. Now, you do have your diehards who could name a lot of the roster even before Ovechkin. And those fans, you don't, you know, they're always going to be your diehards, just like with the Red Sox. 
you got, you know, your, your diehards who will know all the way through all their world series. I mean, just like the Phillies, I mean, just like yourself, you're, you know, a diehard Phillies fan, you know, between what their last first was what? Oh, eight was their last world series. Yes. Yeah. Well, they were in the world series in 09, but they didn't win. Yeah. I should, I should say their last win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yankees. Yeah. No, <laughs> that's not. <laughs> Here's the thing. I, I respect the Yankees franchise. I'm never going to say I don't. And I have a ton of respect for Derek Jeter. And I think the guy, the sports writer who didn't vote for him, the one sports writer who didn't vote for Derek Jeter is an asshat. Um, really tell us how you really feel. We're, we're so deviating right now. Okay. <laughs> How he wasn't a unanimous vote into the Hall of Fame is beyond me. Yeah. And clearly the, the 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 person who did not vote for him did it for personal reasons. Like they just didn't like Derek Jeter. Because if you look at him as a player and as a team leader, he was exactly what you want a team leader to be. Well, he played the game right. You Con- didn't hear any he never dogged it. He always hustled. He always played to the best of his abilities. Even as his age was you know, as he was getting older, he was still playing hard. He never oh, he was still it. going. Oh yeah, he was still going. He, he still played as to, as he left everything out in the field. Why he wasn't a unanimous vote is beyond me. Sorry, just well, well, that's a lot of players. That's a lot of players, but you know, like Pete Rose. Oh, <laughs> that needs to be a topic for another time. We can't go down this road tonight. Yeah, that's a long road. <laughs> oh man! But yeah, back to topic. I can't. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just it'd be it's it's just gonna be a shame to not be able to see your favorite minor league towns, not just the teams, but your towns. I have that because think how much money the town's gonna lose just from this. Look at and and then looking at it. I mean, I I don't know. How many people know this? Um, I'm sure some people, like really diehard baseball fans, know this. Um, a lot of these players have host families in these towns they live in, and these people have been hosting players for years, decades. Some of these people, so I mean, that's a part of their life is minor league baseball, taking care, making sure these players have a place to go to at the end of the night after they've played a game, just having a bed and a room and a meal for them. These people now, I mean, that they're firmly entrenched in local minor league baseball as much as the team owners are. Oh, yeah. We're not looking at the article. All the articles online are looking at the teams and the players. It's bigger than just the teams and the players. They're not looking at the, how far it actually reaches. It's not exactly. looking at the families that, like you just said, it's not looking at the families that take care of these players when – they could be, you know, their families could be on the other side of the, of the country and they're living at some stranger's house who's actually being their family, who's being their mom, dad, you know, interacting with them like a normal family would. So for that, I mean, like you said, you, you're, you, you don't have that. Right. Um, referencing back locally to the senators when Bryce Harper's brother, uh, Brian Harper was pitching for the Senators. He had a host family he stayed with. When he finished up his career last season in the Atlantic League for the Lancaster Barnstormers, he stayed with that same family in Harrisburg. Just because they were like family to him. 
Oh yeah, you form that connection. You know, you form that bond. You know, because that is basically your second family. Yeah. You know, and you like like you just said, you have that. You know, just because you're in one town, you can drive. You know, an hour, ish. To uh, to your family, you know, just like us going to work every day, yeah. forty five. You know, going forty five minutes, or in your case, your kitchen table. Yeah, buddy. So there you go. You don't have to worry about Penn State traffic coming up. What Penn State traffic? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so on that note, that is the end of period two. And we um, will be back after this ad from our sponsor. And welcome back to episode three of the Not Another Sports podcast. We're going into third period here, and we're going to be talking about the best Nintendo Entertainment Center sports games. Now, you know, we try to have a little fun here with third period, and I think looking at the analytics we're talking about a subject that a lot of you are going to enjoy <laughs> um, yeah and uh, a lot of people won't even know what's an nes what's a nintendo entertainment system what is that it's where you have to be your own technician <laughs> so let's let's get started with i think the game slash series that i think a lot of people reminisce about still Let's talk about Tecmo Bowl and Tecmo Super Bowl. Let's start off with that. They're great. Those are great games. A.K.A. Tecmo Bow. (laughs) Yeah, that's how some people did pronounce it. (laughs) Well, Bo Jackson was the man in that game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's It's just funny how certain players are like the top despite... Just their name makes them the best in the game. Do you actually know why he was the best in that game? It was based on stats. Well, yeah. All the pl- all, so now obviously stats are a big deal in games now, um, and it really wasn't a big deal in the in the NES era. But Tecmo Bowl was one of the first games to really use stats to give the players attributes, even if the, it wasn't something you could see physically, number wise in the game. You saw in the in the game's performance. That's why. Dan Marino and Joe Montana in that game were just beasts with, you know, cannons for their arms or God forbid you went up against Lawrence Taylor on defense. You know, I mean, it was really smart on Tecmo's part to do it that way. Well, yeah, when you can throw a hundred yard football, I mean, (laughs) you know, yeah, I mean, it it was just one of those games where it was just fun to have tournaments with because I know playing it, you know, my brother, my cousin, and just played tournaments with it. And it's was just always fun. You know, and, despite how bad you get beat, it's just fun. Now, and when, now two years later, because Tecmo Bowl came out in 89, and it had uh, it didn't have an NFL license. It had an NFL Players Association license. So the teams were, like the logos weren't the right teams, obviously, but the players were. When they in '91, when they came out with Tecmo Super Bowl, it had an NFL license and it had all of the teams in 1991 in the game. Um, so I mean, you can almost trace back the yearly updates from Madden to Tecmo Bowl and Tecmo Super Bowl. Oh yeah, you you can just because of how you know how far back that goes with 
just the, you know, the teams and everything else with the players on, on those teams. And because a lot of times you just get, okay, yeah, these people, we think we're on it. We're just going to throw them in there. Have a nice day. Where they actually made it to where it's the way it is now with teams, like, you know, full rosters and, you know, you can, you know, all the plays and everything else. I mean, it was, it was a good game. It was a fun game. They were fun games. And, and I liked that. I mean, it's crazy to, to, sit, to think about this, but the last Tech Mobile game came out in 95. I mean, it lasted from 89 to 95 into 16-bit. And the games were still fun to play. And I think that's... God, I'm going to offend so many people right now. I know a lot of people love Madden. I I know a lot of people love Madden, okay? But Madden can be a little too technical sometimes. Sometimes sometimes you just want to pick up a game and be able to play it and have fun. Like, that was the glory of of NFL Blitz, is you could just pick it up and have a lot of fun playing it. Oh yeah, even with you know, with even with Tecmo Super Bowl, Tecmo Bowl, I mean, it was just one of those games to where it was just simple. It wasn't like you got to hit, like you know, if you know, depending what you use, Xbox, PlayStation. It's just, you know, okay, you have to hit all these buttons just to throw a pass. Yeah. Where Tecmo Super Bowl, Tecmo Bowl, you just hit two buttons. Oh, th- I just did a pass. You know, you, instead of hitting. A, you know, a seven combo deal there. Yeah. And so I know you know this, David. I know a lot of the people listening have no clue. I have a RetroPie. So I can play Tecmo Bowl pretty much whenever I want to um, without having to blow into the cartridge to get it to work. Um, <laughs> Again, be your own technician. And uh, so under the NES games on the RetroPie, there's an area for like hacks and homebrews. And under homebrews, there's like 20 years worth of updates to Tecmo Bowl. <laughs> so people are still updating Tecmo Bowl with the current teams, the current franchises, the current players, and the current stats. I, that's, I mean, that's, that's that is devotion. <laughs> I mean, absolutely for a game that old, and they're still, still updating, you know, wanting to update to today's standards, to today's teams. I mean, that just shows love for the game. And it shows that there's still a market for a fun pick-up-and-play football game. Oh, absolutely. And and that's what it is. It's just one of those games to where it's just a fun game. Just pick up, play, and go. Yeah. You know, then you got uh, RBI Baseball. So I think we got to – before we even get into RBI Baseball, baseball has – is represented by just too many games for the NES. I mean, we easily could have, could have picked bases loaded, or or baseball simulator, or baseball stars, or Bo Jackson baseball, or or even MLB baseball. But I thought, in looking at the list, I thought RBI baseball was the best representative of baseball games on the Nintendo. And like Tecmo Bowl, it was a game that every year there was a new edition, and every year there were new players and new stats. But it was a nice pick up and play game. Yeah. It wasn't a you know full technical. You could just sit down and play, and you played it for who knows how long. You know, just d- despite who was in it, what to, you just played it. Yeah, just went and just had fun and played. And, now, and actually, 
just like Tecmo Bowl, the first RBI baseball only had like a handful of teams in it. Yeah. You know, and, and also mind you though, some of these games you couldn't save your progress in as you could today. So you had to sit there and play it until you just got sick of playing and just either fell asleep or just like, I'm going to bed, I'm done. You know, you just give up at that point. <laughs> now, now talking about RBI baseball, um, have you ever seen the video on YouTube where someone recreated the final moments of game six from the 1986 world series with the buck with Buckner missing the ball. No, they I got recreated. Look that up. They recreated that entire at bat, like the entire inning in RBI oh, baseball awesome. and posted it on, on YouTube. Oh, I got to look that up. Yeah. Uh, just look up RBI baseball, 1986 world series. It is, it is amazing that someone did this, like just, the detail and, and making this happen in this old Nintendo game. Oh, that's yeah. For somebody to actually do that, that's, that's awesome. I, I will link that on the Facebook page after this, this show posts for everyone listening. Yeah. Yeah. That needs to be posted for sure. Um, so let's, we really aren't getting into why RBI baseball is a great game and it is a great game. Um, I, I love the fact that, again, it, it was updated every year. Uh, I think the last one on the NES was RBI Baseball 3. Mm-hmm. And then that was another one that moved into the 16-bit era. And then that franchise came back, what, like maybe five or six years ago for the PlayStation, PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4. And it's back for a whole new generation of of, of baseball fans who, up until next season, can't play the show which the show is by far the best baseball series ever. Yeah, that is a good series. But for those who don't have a PlayStation and it's not 2021 yet where it's available for every system, you can play RBI baseball on your Xbox and you can play it on your Switch and so on and so forth. So, I mean, there's a whole new generation learning this franchise of games um, with modern teams and modern everything. So the fact that this exists still is awesome oh yeah and plus like you know like i said rbi baseball is just one of those games to where you just pick up and play and you you know it's just once you got used to it it was just one of those games you just love 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 just go just go 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 you know yeah yeah it was always a good one and i was actually looking at a at a ranking here of now i'm not sure how real up to date this is on how did they're voted, but on a list that's ranked number six out of uh, 50 plus. So for even to be that high yet on that type of list is still good. Yeah. Cause Tecmo Super Bowl was ranked two on that list. So that says a lot. Yeah, it does. Yeah, that that does say a lot, and you know, RBI baseball is right up there. I would actually put it over the the baseball game that's ahead of it, which I did mention. I mentioned Baseball Stars. Baseball Stars is a good baseball game. Don't get me wrong. I just think RBI has it over them with having the license. Well, yeah, any, any game that has a license with it will have over a game that doesn't have the license because when you go into a game, you want to play as your favorite team. You just don't want to play as some random team that somebody thought of in their basement, you want to play as your favorite team. Right. 
like you know you, you know it's just how it is that's how it's always gonna be you know despite whether it's today's video games or back then let's talk about uh let's talk about punch out <laughs> i i think that's a game that a majority of people owned for the oh, absolutely oh absolutely now i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna state right now i didn't have mike tyson's punch out i had punch out yeah after I had... they dropped the the tyson license yeah i just had punch out i didn't have the mike tyson and right now on this on the ranking that's ranked number one and that was an interesting game on a lot of characters. It's definitely... Nowadays, I think a lot of games, they have a rhythm to it. And once you get used to that rhythm of the game, you're, you, you're, you catch on quick. Oh, yeah. Punch-Out! was definitely one of those, those games, one of the first games that really have a rhythm to it, where you had to, you had to learn how to dodge and weave and, and when to punch and when to jab and when to hit the special punch. You know, when to hit the sweet spot on your opponent, you know, just to, you know, just get him dazed. And sometimes it's like, oh, I missed it. And then all of a sudden you get destroyed and you got to sit there and start hitting the the buttons just to, just to get back up. And what What's great about Punch-Out is I think for a lot of people from our, our generation, it was a lot of our first experience with boxing. Oh, yeah. Well, what other boxing game was out there? Well, I just mean boxing in general. I mean, for those of us who grew up in the 80s and 90s, we weren't of the era of when boxing was on ABC every Saturday. We were of the era when boxing was on HBO or pay-per-view. So we didn't really grow up with boxing the way like our parents' generation did. So for us, it was (laughs) Punch-Out. Yeah, that's the only way you really got it. Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Pay-per-view and that's the only way you really got to watch any type of sports like that. You know, whether it be, you know, boxing or, you know, uh, UFC, you, you know, like today it's on every Friday night, you know, punch out was the only thing you had back in, but you know, just back in that time. And the fact that it's ranked number one on this list is still, you know, means it's still up there and people who love to get, you know, love just to play it, just to, you know, even even today's games, just it's always good to go back to old school games and just play it. Yeah. Despite how compared to today's graphics, you still you, you still play, you know, just to play it, just to have fun with it. Bring back your childhood. Yeah. It's fun. And that's yeah. the whole, you know, that's that's, the, that's just the whole best thing of it. So it was, you can't talk about punch out without talking about. Obviously, Little Mac, but the <laughs> cast of characters in that game is you could not make that game now. First off, oh. no, who who was your least favorite person to go against in that game? Uh, I think the Great Tiger or Bold Bull was always was always my always the ones that got me because so I always just messed up that you know you know like you said oh, the, the timing. Yes, I always messed those up. And you mess up one time, it's over. You know, it was always the, them that that got me. The Great Tiger out of all of them is probably the one I hate the most. Because <laughs> once he does that disappearing thing, the the amount of times you have to block 
it, yeah, and the timing. Yeah, exactly. The timing of the block is just ridiculous. And I, I've been playing it for 30 years, and I still lose to him at least once every time I play the game. Despite you know you can time it every single time, but yet, sure enough, you just can't get it for some reason. I, I love... So in, in the arcade version of Punch-Out! came out, obviously, before the NES version. In the arcade version, Soda Popinski is Vodka Drunkinski. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I love that they I just had love to, that name. I just love they that had name. to censor it for the Nintendo because kids were playing it. I love that. Oh, I, I just love that name. <laughs> that just is awesome. But yeah, just... Oh. The, the, oh, you just had to get that timing just right to beat those guys. And if you get it wrong, just by a small bit, you're done. And that's one of those games I can hear the music in my head. Like I can hear the music for when little Mac is running in New York with, with doc behind him on the, on the bicycle. And they got to quickly write down the code because, you know, because if you don't, well, (laughs) you got to start all over again. Oh man. Wasn't there a code where you could put in the Nintendo power hotline? I don't remember. Like you, you put in the code and it would play like a song and the code was the Nintendo hotline. Yeah, that I don't remember. Yep, busy signal. And the number was 800-422-2602. If you entered that into the game, you would get a busy signal and that was the Nintendo hotline. Oh, that's awesome. That just makes you want to play just to just to do that <laughs> yeah punch out was definitely definitely a good one that's that's definitely one for the ages yeah it stood the test of time i mean they they made it for the Wii. i mean it was that popular they brought it back oh yeah it was it was fun so let's 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 go on to uh the hockey side of nintendo sports Good old Blades of Steel. Yeah, we, we got to go with Blades of Steel on this one. No offense to you fans of Nintendo Ice Hockey from the Black, Spo- Black Box series. Blades of Steel was where it was at. Oh, yeah. I mean, now, they did try to bring it back, and I feel it failed miserably <laughs> because it just was not good. The old style, or the, the old style still has, has it, it's just when they tried to bring it back, it just did not. It just, I don't think it brought what the fans were looking for. You know, it just didn't, it just didn't do it. And that, that just hurt. Well, when they brought it, I mean, obviously we're, we're supposed to be talking about the, the NES one, but yeah, we got to talk about this. Um, when they brought it back, they brought it back with an NHL license at a time when, no offense to Konami, but you weren't going to compete with the NHL EA games. No. So releasing an NHL, uh, a second tier NHL game with the Blades of Steel name wasn't going to suffice in 1999. No, it was not. No, it was not. Despite, you know, don't get me wrong. I bought it. I played it just because you know, going into a thing and, okay, cool. You know, let's see what this is actually like, but it just did not, it just did not bring to what it should. 
Yeah. No, I mean for Blades when Blades of Steel came out, I mean that that game was that game was a little bit of ahead of its time because it had had actual voiceover work in it. And in a lot of Nintendo games, and I don't think any Nintendo game at that time had voiceover work in it. And then when you start that game up and it said Blades of Steel, that was a game changer. Oh yeah, or like during the game you hear penalty shots. Get the pass. Fight. Yeah, exactly. You know, you you didn't hear that in other games. You didn't hear that in other sports games. And then you had the sound of like, I mean, there were other sports games that had a crowd sound to it, but not the way Blades of Steel did. What I loved in Blades of Steel though, is I think it was after the second period where you could play that little game. Sometimes it'd <laughs> have that in there. Yes. That was always fun to do. And I thought, I think out of all the games on this list, and, and these are great games, don't get me wrong. I think Blades of Steel captured the sport the best out of all of these games. Oh yeah. Just because of just, there was more to it than just passing a puck back and forth. And because with the goalie, you had to, you were the goalie as you moved your characters, you had to move the goalie. Yeah. Yeah. To go with them. And that was always like, ah, ah. you know, you always get upset because you just missed it by like an inch or something or less. And, and it, and for the record, I mean, Tecmo Bowl had cutscenes for halftime. Even if, even if by that point, the NFL did not have marching bands on the field and stuff like that, you still had something to represent halftime. But Blades of Steel, just it, the, it, you had to control the, the the goalie. You had to get the passes off. You could do a, a primitive version of a one timer in current games. You could fight. You had the Zamboni going across the ice in between periods. I mean, this game captured what hockey is well, at a time when shot. you didn't have that in a lot of games, sports-wise. Well, even the penalty shot, I mean, that was still, I mean, you had, you know, your opponent, if you were playing one-on-one -on -one with somebody, you know, with, with your friends, it was like soccer. You had to, you know, guess where they were going to shoot it. Right. Because it wasn't like today's games where you start from center and go in. You, you were at a certain point, and you had to shoot on net. You, didn't, you couldn't skate in or anything else. Yeah. So that also made it fun, too, because it's like, okay, where am I going to go? Where's, you know, things like that, which was always fun. And the fact that you could fight and, you know, just all you had to do was just bump into each other to start a fight <laughs> was always fun. Yes. You, you, you uh, check someone a little too many times and at one time and you had a fight and, and you had a separate you had a separate camera angle in the game just for the fight oh yeah it wasn't like you know where today's you know where today's hockey games are you know you still have the same view you still got you but you still control the fight it's you got your own view this is bam there it is i mean for 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 the system at the time it was definitely a very in-depth game as far as what it could do on that system. Oh, yeah, and especially with only eight teams to play. I mean, it was still, I mean, you still had tournaments with your friends or just played the tournament that they had on, you know, on the game itself. It was just fun. You know, and like you said, just captured in today's, you know, in today's games compared to back then it was ahead of its time. Yeah. And, you know, in, in my opinion, just because of everything that it had already, you know, it was, 
it was just straight up fun beyond belief. You know, and only having eight teams, four from U.S., four Canada teams, it definitely made it fun. Yeah, and it, again, it, there's a reason why it, it's, one, considered one of the best NES games and why it's the best NES hockey game. Um, can, now, moving on to the last game we're going to talk about tonight. Um, we're going to talk about Double Dribble, another Konami game. Konami was kind of like the deal back then. They made a lot of great games, arcade games, NES games, side-scrolling games, what have you. Man, I know a lot of people love Double Dribble. And I'm, I'm going to be just ticking people off left and right tonight on this show. Um, <laughs> no, not and, you. And, and, and Konami, again, they delivered the goods on Double Dribble. Don't, don't get me wrong. Double Dribble has a really cool cutscene in the beginning showing the fans filtering into the arena for the game but there's not a lot of there's like maybe four or six teams in the game yeah there wasn't a lot and it's don't it's a good game it's a good basketball game for the nintendo and it had cutscenes for you know different shots and dunks i just don't think it's the best basketball game for the nintendo and i know this is sacrilegious to a lot of people and it, it's ranked very high on this list. We're referencing uh, number online. nine right now. It's, it's number nine is what's ranked. But for my money, I think Tecmo NBA basketball is the best basketball game in general for the Nintendo. It's number 23 on, on the list. Um, but I think overall it's the, it's the better basketball experience for the Nintendo. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. When it comes to basketball, I mean, basketball is one of those games to where it's kind of hard to, I don't know. To me, that just wasn't a basketball game that you could just make it easy to play. It wasn't. It wasn't conducive to the eight-bit era. I mean, I know a lot of people love Arch Rivals. I think Arch Rivals is is not a fun game to play on the Nintendo. I think the arcade version is a ton of fun to play, but the Nintendo version is just a pain in, in the butt to play. I think Tecmo NBA Basketball takes all the good that was in Double Dribble and it expounds upon it. You get all the NBA teams from the 1991-92 season. Amazingly, they had Jordan on in the game before he. you had to pay to have him in the game. You can actually run plays. You can play a full season. You have It's five on five. I mean, they did everything right in, in Tecmo NBA basketball. N- not saying, again, double dribble isn't a bad game. It's a, it's a fun game. But it was the predecessor. It was the base, and there were other games that did it better. Yeah. Now, uh, looking at Double Dribble, I'm looking at a ranking of 3.6 out of five, where Tecmo Super Bowl got the same, or Tecmo Super Bowl, Tecmo NBA Basketball got the same thing. Now, also, uh, a rating on the emulator is a 4.3 out of five, where Double Dribble wasn't even ranked on it. Oh wow. Yeah, wow. well, look, well, well, looking at it, it doesn't even have like it's saying it just has the uh, 
think it's oldgameshelf.com. That's the only one that rates it. Oh, wow. Where, yeah. So, you know, with that being said, that kind of says something about the game. I, again, I think because it was the it was the predecessor. It was the one that kind of it was a start. It set, it set the stage for what a basketball game could be on the Nintendo, and I think for that reason, it's remembered very fondly. I just don't think it's as good as people remember it being. But the but the Tecmo basketball, you know, was a, f- a few years later. I mean, you go from eighty six to ninety two, and you know, of course, a lot of things change. The graphics is going to change the concepts. Hey, right. what, you know, what can we improve from one to another? Well, and so, plus I it mean, was Tecmo. I mean, Tecmo was putting out really good sports games for that time period. Well, yeah, I mean, Tecmo Super Bowl, Tecmo Ball. Yeah, of course. But it's just one of those things to where you had double dribble and then everybody looked at that like, okay, what can I do to make it better? What can I do to right. improve it or things like that? So if if you look at, I mean, if you're looking at games for 86, yeah, that, you know, double dribble was the way to go just because at that time, that's what it was. That's, I think that was the only basketball game out there at that moment too. Yeah. Man, you know, I, I mean, looking back, obviously a lot of these games are near and dear to, to our hearts and to the, you know, other people's hearts. But I think sports games really came into their own in the 16-bit era. I think... Oh, yeah, I mean, it's... Oh, yeah, because, you know, you're going from... You know, you're just updating your graphics. I mean, of course you're going to, you know, it's going to be... I don't think... I I think, yes, that. But I think, I mean, look at... Look at how our generation was. I mean, we were diehard Mario fans in the 8-bit era, and then... A lot of us started playing sports as kids, and then we wanted to play sports games. So then we get NHL 95. We get Madden 96. We buy RBI Baseball 94. And these games were there, and they were good games. Let's not even talk about NBA Jam and NBA Jam TE, which, I mean, those were – those set the stage for NHL or NBA Jam 99 for NFL Blitz for NHL Hits. I mean that that arcade game style of play was was revolutionary for sports games for that time period. Well, yeah, not just that. I mean, you also had the NHL Center Ice game. Well, yeah, that you always played in the arcades and things like that. That was always oh the two on two challenge. Yeah, yeah, that was always fun to play. I loved playing that one. Man, that was know, definitely. We're going to talk arcade games at some point now. Yeah, we are now. That's, <laughs> that just yeah, that just throws it up there now. Coming to Absolutely. you in a future episode, arcade sports games. Yeah, definitely. AKA the games that charged you four quarters for one quarter of a game. <laughs> right. You know, frantically scrambling for other stuff, you know, other quarters. But no, yeah, the, the double dribble was definitely good for the era and definitely good as a building base for for Tecmo to really step up yeah, like they did in other ones. But, you know, like I said, for that era, double dribble was the way to go. Yeah. You know, despite. And I, again, I think it's a good game. And I think, I, I think the cutscenes are really good. I just don't think it's the best basketball game for the Nintendo. Overall. No. I mean, then again, overall, you're taking all the sports games in general 
and putting that on that list. I mean, if you're looking for that era, then yeah. But like you just said, overall, not really. You know, it's like saying that you know, it's like saying the duck hunt was the best game ever. Despite how much you want to <laughs> Yeah, that and how many people tried to <laughs> tried to get the dog at, at you know during the game. <laughs> like every time it just comes up and laughs at you every time you missed. But yeah, I mean you have so many, you know. So many games. I mean, yeah. Well, Techno NBA basketball came in at twenty-three on the list. Yeah, I see that. Where Double Dribble was up at nine. I think that's. It's just remembered better, and I, you got to look. I mean, I like Techno NBA basketball because I played it, but it came out in ninety-two, which was at the end of the Nintendo's lifespan. I only had another year in North America, and then it was pretty much done. Yeah. Well, so it's not remembered it, as fondly. Well, think about it though. I mean, when you know, for Nintendo, you say technically be a basketball, something you know, like you just said, some people are like, huh, what? But you say double dribble, everybody's like, oh, yeah, you know, everybody knows, yeah, because everyone rented it at one point or another, yeah, you know, it's it's just how it is, just because of like you said, it's just well known. I'm just shocked though, excite bikes above it. I'm calling into question this list, yeah. On some of the games, yeah, but it was a list to go off of. Oh, we're we're gonna deviate here quick. You know, like yeah, like they have ice hockey over blades of steel. I don't see that. I'm just scrolling through the list, and as as a wrestling fan, I'm really offended that the WWF games are ranked on here, and I don't see NES Pro Wrestling on this list at all. <laughs> Well, what, the first uh, wrestling one's, what, ranked 28, WWF, WrestleMania? Nope, Tecmo World Wrestling, number 24, which is yep, a great, yep, great wrestling game for the Nintendo. But the WWF games are crap, and the fact that they are on this list and NES Pro Wrestling is not is just ridiculous. <laughs> okay, that that's it. I'm done, I'm done talking about that now. I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> for now. <laughs> God, that should be the title of this episode, Jason's Soapbox. Oh, we could always change it. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah, WWF WrestleMania Challenge at rank 39 on this list. Terrible games. But somehow they made this list. Uh, I, I think for the... Who's ever listening who's not like into video games, if, the ga- if you saw LJN on the box, you knew you were getting an awful game. <laughs> and some of those games were made by LJN and they were awful games. Yeah, some games you definitely question, like, really? Why did I just do this? Oh, man. Some games were the definition of a weekend rental. Yeah, some games that's basically <laughs> what, it, what it was. You rented them and just, like, yeah, I'm glad I just rented it instead of bought it. Kids these days would never understand that. <laughs> oh. No. WWF King of the Ring. Ugh. That's at 54. Yeah, I went through. I went down all the way down to 102. <laughs> of course you did. Oh, that's funny. All right, uh, well. On that we, note. Yeah, go ahead. 
on that note, that is the end of the third period. With that, thank you for joining us for episode three of the Not Another Sports podcast. You can find us online at facebook.com slash notanothersportspod. Feel free to like, comment, or message us. The Not Another Sports podcast is available for streaming or download at anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podcast Attic, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Please do not forget to subscribe, rate, and review. With that, I'm Jason. I'm David. And we'll talk to you next time. Have a good one. You have been listening to the Not Another Sports Podcast. Thank you for your listenership. <laughs>